Welcome to Her Legal Global. I'm your host, Faye Gelb. Our podcast is dedicated to providing you with actionable skills to empower your legal career. And today we're welcoming Kirsten Goodwin, who's here to talk to us about imposter syndrome and transforming it into naked confidence. So I just want to tell you a little bit about Kirsten because she has a very interesting background. She is an imposter syndrome and career confidence coach and executive trainer. And she comes to that from a background in the civil service. She used to work with Tony Blair in his cavalcade. She was traveling with him. She negotiated for the UK in Europe and was the head of strategy in the National Crime Agency. So if you're getting a grasp of just how complicated and high pressured her job was, that's the idea. All the while she was suffering though from chronic fatigue and panic attacks while she was doing these positions. And it was very troubling. It took years of self-discovery before she finally realized how she'd been undermining herself. And then she learned powerful new tools, created her own internal cheerleader, and that was able to negate the internal negative limiting self-beliefs. And it's phenomenal because what she's done is she's taken that knowledge, trained as a career coach, and she's now here bringing that knowledge to us about transforming our imposter syndrome into incredible, unshakable self-belief. So welcome, Kirsten. It's wonderful to have you. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. Well, let's just dive down into this imposter syndrome. We hear a lot about it. There's a lot of misconceptions. People really seem to be confused. Is it a positive thing, a negative thing. So just tell us a little bit about what is imposter syndrome from your point of view. I think the definition that I like best is a definition that says it's a persistent feeling of being unworthy of one's status or success. It's that feeling that you get deep inside you where either it can manifest itself where you are actually conscious of feeling like a fraud, you know, feeling like that you don't deserve the level you've got to in your career, worried that you're going to get found out and that people are actually going to realise that you're not good enough. Or it can actually manifest itself in a slightly different way where you don't necessarily consciously realise that you have these feelings of unworthiness, but instead you're working so hard to prove to yourself and to everybody else that you do actually deserve your success. So however it manifests, there are, there are different forms which are, we're going to come into. The key thing is, is that I believe this is a really unhelpful pattern of thoughts, which you've developed for various reasons from throughout your life and your career, but it is something that you can change. And I firmly believe is something that we, we can and, and you know, can want to change to really make a difference so that we can fulfill our potential and you know, rediscover our sense of self and confidence and balance. Well, that sounds perfect. So just tell me a little bit about what are these different types of imposter syndrome, because I'm sure everybody wants to be able to recognize them and to know what they really are. Yes, absolutely. So this was a construct defined by a woman called Valerie Young, and she defined these five different types of imposter. So you've got, first of all, the perfectionist, which I'm sure is a style that lots of us are familiar with. So, you know, that sense that it has to be 100% perfect all of the time or it's not good enough. And the phrase that I use for this is, I should be perfect, you know, I should be perfect. And so that's the perfectionist. It's a very easy one to grasp. And um, I don't know about you, Faye, but I certainly had a bit of that in me in my past. Definitely. Um, Yeah, it's a very, it's a very familiar one. The second one is, is interesting. And again, this is another one of the ones that I particularly experienced. And that is the superwoman or superman. And this is the kind of people that need to do it all. You know, you can't just be good at one thing. You have to be good at everything. All parts of your life have to be working brilliantly. Work, 
home, family, house, it all has to be brilliant. And the phrase that I use for that is I should be able to do it all brilliantly, absolutely every part of your life. Again, as I said, this is one that I really experienced myself. We Um, compare ourselves to other people and say, look, she's doing it all. Why can't I? Exactly. And that's such an unhelpful mindset to get into. And, you know, we could go into great some lengths about how women have, you know, this having it all mentality and how healthy or unhealthy that has been for women over the years. But certainly when you have it in the imposter syndrome context, people who are superwoman, they may not recognize they have imposter syndrome because they may not feel like a fraud. But the thing that's driving them to do it all brilliantly is a form of imposter syndrome. Next one is the expert. And this is somebody who only feels kind of worthy if they are able to waive three million certifications and, you know, yet more qualifications. And and that's the way that they kind of evidence their worth. So again, this is something that I can recognize in myself. I don't know if you recognize it in you, but especially if you've had a kind of academic career or upbringing, you can get a sense of self-worth from those qualifications. And then it becomes like a vicious circle. You need to get another one to prove, you know, I I am good enough. Where we feel like we're not ready for a position or a job because we don't have the qualifications. We have to match it 100%. Exactly. So there can be no doubt that I am good enough. And this is actually something I've been working with this week with a client. There aren't actually that many jobs around for what she does. And she found herself turning down kind of applications for jobs because she didn't feel like she was good enough at Excel. And I had this conversation with her about, you know, basically what's holding her back is purely her own sense of self-confidence. You know, she doesn't need to be the world's best Excel expert. That is something she can learn. What she is really good at is the business process side of things. But for me, that was just a classic example of, you know, she fitted 90% of the job spec, but because she didn't have that 10%, she thought, well, I can't apply for it. And it can be really debilitating. It can really hold you back. So the expert phrase is, I should know it all. I should know it all. And then after the expert, we have the natural genius. And this is somebody who thinks that they should, again, the word should, just be good at it without effort. You know, it should just come easily. If they have to try, it means they're somehow failing. So the phrase for that is, I should be able to do this easily. And if they can't do it easily, then somehow that means they're not worthy. So this wasn't so much one of mine, but actually it is quite a common one. Definitely not mine. And then the last one is the soloist. And again, this is one I think will be very familiar with to people. The soloist, as the name suggests, they have to do it all on their own. If they ask for help, that means they've failed. It's that constant sense of, I am only worthy if I can do this, like as an island and actually interacting with other people and asking for support means I am not good enough. So how does this all tie in with our brains and how they work? It's important to remember that The brain was, you know, it is a biological organ. It is there in order to keep us alive. And one of the ways it does that so that we can pass on our genes is by keeping us small. It wants to try to keep us safe by keeping us small. Things that are uncomfortable for us, situations where we feel we are out of our comfort zones. The brain can kind of interpret that as being a a threat or a sense of danger. And so it tries to create a reaction in you to say, keep away from this. You know, this isn't a good thing. Um, Stay safe because ultimately we want you to stay alive so you can pass on your genes. It's important to recognize that the thoughts that the brain comes up with, which include things like, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I have to do it all on my own. All of these kind of really common imposter syndrome thoughts, they aren't actually real. They are just synapses firing. It's just stuff. You don't have to believe it. And for me, this was the the real turning point in my life when I realized that 
this inner dialogue that I have, that, that we all have, you know, that voice in my head, it's just talking. You don't have to listen. You don't have to take it seriously. The way I describe it to my clients is, you know, you can't choose the thoughts that come into your head because the brain just does its thing. You know, that's what it does. You can choose the thoughts that you allow to take space in your head. You can choose the thoughts that you allow to take root. You can always have a thought come into your head and go, well, that's rubbish. And then just send it on its way. There are, we, we'll talk a bit more about different ways to do that. But I would say that it's unrealistic to ever stop the thoughts coming because that's just part of nature. But the thing that we as human conscious beings can do is recognize that actually there is a choice between how much you take notice of those thoughts or how much you just let them pass by. You also had another really important point there that the thoughts aren't real. And I think we yes. really need to emphasize that just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's true. No, absolutely. This is the turning point for me, recognizing that this is just something that comes in from the brain just doing its thing. I used to have all sorts of very unhelpful perfectionist driven thoughts that would that ultimately were what led me to my chronic fatigue. I had chronic fatigue for 15 years and that included being really quite ill for quite a long time. I came in cycles and recognizing the thing that was the turning point for me was recognizing that thoughts aren't real, recognizing that this stuff going into my head wasn't something I needed to take any notice of. And when I realized that and learned the tools and techniques which helped me replace those unhelpful thoughts with the more positive ones, that meant that actually my chronic fatigue was cured. I haven't been ill once since. And for somebody who was ill for such a long time, it was life limiting, it really was. It's a complete transformation. And it all comes down to that very, very simple point. Thoughts aren't real. You don't have to take any notice of them and you can choose to replace them with other thoughts. How do your beliefs play a role in this? Beliefs and thoughts, I kind of use that language slightly interchangeably, but yeah, absolutely. Beliefs, limiting beliefs, you know, we've all heard that phrase, limiting beliefs. But fundamentally, what happens is we develop stories that we tell ourselves throughout our life. And there may have been a point in our life where those, these stories were actually helpful to us in some way. You know, maybe from a young age, we developed a story that we are a shy person, or maybe we, we would get given that story by our parents. Oh, you know, she's just shy. And that becomes a, almost like an escape route. But then unfortunately, that then becomes like a label that you tell yourself for the rest of your life. And it, it can be a really limiting belief. So shyness is just one example. There are so many of them. There's an amazing quote I love, which is by Gandhi, where your beliefs become your thoughts, your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions, your actions become your habits, your habits become your values, and your values become your destiny. Powerful. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's a causal relationship. Your lived experience, the life you have, the relationships you have, the career you have, you can trace all of that back to the stuff that's going on in your head, whether it's a belief or whether it's a thought. And it's so important to recognize with the concept of neuroplasticity, the brain can be changed. An amazing thing, they didn't really do much studying on it until about the 1970s. People used to think that the brain, you died with the brain that you were born with, you know, that the brain didn't change as we, as we kind of went through our lives. But then they realized actually this isn't true. And they've done lots of studies on it. So when you think a thought, the synapses fire in your brain in a neural pathway. And the more often you think that thought, they've realized now, that pathway becomes more and more defined. They've actually filmed the synapses moving closer together. So it becomes like the path of least resistance. So if you'd like to imagine a field with two gates and people who are walking between those two gates, they wear away the grass. So the people who come afterwards are much more likely to use that same path. And the same thing happens in the brain, it's just that path of least resistance. 
But if you imagine that one of the gates moves, then a new path is created and the grass actually regrows over the old path. You can do the same thing in your brain. People often have these limiting beliefs and these negative thought patterns because that's the habit, that's the neural pathway they've developed. But you can change with consistent attention and action. You can change that pathway. So it stops being this kind of pathway to negative thoughts. And instead you can build a positive and more constructive pathway to the positive thoughts that are going to be supportive to you. We think we can do this, but we're not doing it. So what's stopping us? It is doable, but the thing it requires sort of three stages. The first one is this thing that we've just talked about, which is recognizing that thoughts aren't real. You have to really just recognize that on, a, on an intrinsic level and on an emotional level. The second thing is self-awareness. You will be running these stories, these patterns, unconsciously without realizing this stuff is just going on in your head. I heard a statistic the other day, I can't remember the exact numbers, but you know, in terms of the amount of the volume of words we have going through our head, it's just astonishing. It's the equivalent of like an hour long speech in about five minutes or something. I mean, it's really, you know, there's so much going through our heads. So you have to choose to become aware, recognize what's going on, recognize when you have an unhelpful thought. And that takes a bit of practice and it takes a bit of effort. And then the final stage is the bit where you actually take action, because unless you choose to replace that thought or divert that thought with a positive one, you're never going to make a difference. And it does take consistent practice. If you think about if you ever tried to start a new habit, like giving up smoking or drinking more water or doing more exercise, it takes a while for that habit to be ingrained. And that's because you're actually changing the neurology of the brain. You know, you're building a new pathway and allowing an, an old pathway to wither. If you are finding it difficult, it's because you haven't been applying it consistently. And that's where working with a coach can be really helpful or working with some of these kind of unconscious tools that can help unlock this a little bit more easily. What so would we define consistency as? Does consistency mean in terms of this type of habit building? Whenever, as much as you possibly can, whenever you have one of these negative thoughts, replacing it with something more constructive to you. So I'll give you an example, and this would be something that I would really hope that your kind of listeners and viewers, if, if they take anything away from today, this is the one thing I really would love everybody to do differently. So language is so important. You know, as human beings, we, we exist in a world of language. That's just the way we experience the world around us. The language we use to ourselves is extremely important. It really does matter. I have a real hatred of the words should, need to, and ought to. You know, these words, they, if you start saying, oh, I should do this, or I need to do that, what you're doing is you're putting yourself in the position of a victim. You're disempowering yourself. You're handing over your power to this external thing that you should be doing. It becomes like a weight laying on you. And instead, just by a small shift, you can change it. So I choose, or I want, or even just I could, I could, I could not, but I could. Yeah. And it's amazing the difference it makes. I mean, I, I, can you hear the difference in terms I of I can the feel it. Pressured and overwhelmed and stressed just listening to them. I should be doing this. I should, yeah. should, should. I call it the tyrannical should. It really is. It's this kind of, it is like a tyrant bearing down on you. And the alternative, they're so empowering. They put you back at the center of your own story. You know, you are more the one making the choices. So when you're talking about consistency, you know, my clients now are very well trained once they've been working with me for a little while. When we're in sessions, they catch themselves. You know, they say, oh, I need to. Uh, no, I could or I want to. I mean, even I, I realized the other day that in relation to what was it? It was something kind of really mundane, like cooking dinner. 
I started talking about, I need to do this, I need to do that. You know, so even me with as much experience in this, you still occasionally slip into it. If you are vigilant and as much as you possibly can, every single time you catch those words and you replace them, not only do you get the short-term benefit of feeling better in that moment, but you're also, every single time, you're embedding the positive pathway rather than embedding the, the negative pathway. We talk about creating positive neurology in the brain. So the words again are... Yeah, I could, I want, or I choose. Anything which is a, is a kind of active word where you are the one um, who is making the decisions rather than this kind of external, this external tyrant. I found want, choose, and could fit in most circumstances. The ones to avoid should need to and ought to, definitely something to be avoided. Okay, so let's just move on into practicing a skill about how we would develop this in ourselves. Okay, fantastic. So I believe we all have this naked confidence, this kind of deep down confidence, but it's just been covered up over the years with the layers of limiting beliefs. What we can do is a little exercise to help us tap into that confidence and get kind of straight through those limiting beliefs just to experience that. Would that be good? That would be perfect. If it's been a little while since you have felt this feeling, I have had the odd clients who have initially struggled with this. And obviously, because I'm not working one-to-one -one with somebody now, I can't help them through that. So I'll just as a pre-frame, precursor, I'll say, I did a session with a client recently who she was struggling to find that kind of feeling inside her. So I asked her instead to think about an example of somebody who for her summed up that feeling of empowered confidence. She decided on Beyonce. She had a particular image in her mind of Beyonce singing in a concert. And so instead of going into her own memory, she kind of stepped into what it must have been like to be Beyonce in that moment and to feel. It was incredible. We were on, I do all my coaching over Zoom. I literally saw her body change. You know, she had her eyes closed, but suddenly her shoulders went back and, you know, her head went up and she just suddenly kind of embodied this power because she was in, in that moment. So if when we're doing this, anyone who's watching finds a bit of a hesitation finding one of those memories, then think about somebody else who's famous or who you know who really sums that up and go into them instead. It will still work. Great, fantastic. And just before we get started on this exercise, it's important not to attempt this while you're driving, operating equipment, or in a place where you can't close your eyes safely. It's also important not to attempt this exercise unless you are emotionally ready to do so. So what we're going to do is we're going to create something called an anchor. So if I was to say to you, what do you think of when you smell sun cream? What would you say? The beach. That would be most people. The beach, holidays, sunshine. You know, there's a very strong association there. And that's a smell trigger. So that, that's a particular kind of causal link between the smell and a thought. And often people's associations with the beach and holidays are happy feelings. So, you know, sun cream gives you happy feelings. So we're going to do something similar, but we're going to do it with a physical trigger. So what I'd like you to do first is I'd just like you to choose where you'd like to have this trigger. So often on the hands is good. So touching fingers together or the back of a knuckle, maybe on a ring. So sometimes it can be helpful to do it, particularly on your hands, so you can do it discreetly, not in view of the camera or under the desk when we're all back in, in the real world. Choose where you're going to anchor it and then let me know. Have you done that? Yes, I'm going to do it on my knuckle. So what I'd like you to do then is just take a deep breath in and out. And when you're ready, just allow your eyes to gently close. And in and out. Now what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to just scroll back into your memory towards a time when you have felt that amazing feeling of confidence. 
that feeling that you get when you are in flow, when you are comfortable but energized, when you're in a moment that you know you're just on it, you're owning it, you're enjoying it, and you have that powerful feeling of confidence in that moment. I'd like you to just give me a nod when you found one of those memories that works for you. Fantastic. So I'll do this specifically with you and then people who are following can just follow along. I'd like you just to let me know where you are. I'm in a courtroom. Fantastic. So you're standing up? I'm standing up. And are you wearing any particular clothes? Do you have, I don't know about in your jurisdiction, whether you have to wear wigs and things. In the UK, we all have very layers of clothes to be in a courtroom. This is provincial court, so I'm just dressed in a suit. Okay, fantastic. Be there now. Be in that moment in that courtroom. Look around you, people that you can see, the expressions on their faces, colours, the shades, the quality of the light in that room. Notice the sounds, any sounds of any voices, any sounds of any machinery, paper. Notice the sensations, the temperature of the air on your skin, the feeling of your feet on the ground as you stand there. Are you touching anything? Are you holding paper or touching with any desk? Feel what that feels like to be in that moment. And above all, feel that feeling of confidence deep inside you. That feeling that you have right deep in your chest. Notice it flowing around your body as your heart beats. That amazing feeling of confidence. Notice whether it has any temperature. Is there a sense of vibration or energy? Notice what that feels like as it flows through every single one of your veins and your arteries, traveling around your body, to your fingertips, down towards your feet, to the tips of your toes, and then up from your chest, up your neck, to the very top of your head, and then it spills out over your whole body, that incredible feeling of confidence. And what I'd like you to do now, is I'd like you to focus on that feeling Allow it to build and rise and grow inside you. And as you focus on it, when it comes to a moment that feels just right, wonderfully strong and powerful, I'd like you to anchor it with your trigger point that you've chosen in the way that's just right for you. So focus on allowing that feeling to build and rise and grow. And when it reaches a peak, anchor it and give me a nod to let me know you've done that. Fantastic. We're back in that courtroom. Once again, feel that feeling of confidence, that energy, that power, that flow, that amazing feeling that you have in that moment, doing what you do and knowing you do it well. I'd like you to focus on that feeling of the ground beneath you. Feel your feet planted on the floor and the energy of the confidence going down deep, deep into the earth beneath you through the layers of the building and the foundations and the topsoil right down to the core of the earth. That incredible energy that there is right deep in the center of the earth. And then feel it flowing back up into you. Feeling of energy back into your feet, up your legs, up your body, down your arms, and then back into your chest. And then once again, up into your head. That incredible feeling of confidence. Once again, allow it to build and rise and grow inside you. When it reaches a peak, anchor it and give me a nod to let me know you've done that. Fantastic. One last time. 
This time I'd like you to focus on noticing how that feeling of confidence is traveling like a wave through your body, touching and tinting every cell. If that feeling of confidence was to have a color, what would it be? Let me know. Blue. Blue. Feel that blue confidence spreading through your body. Every atom, every molecule, every cell, tinted blue with that incredible feeling of confidence. Notice every organ, every cell, every hair on your head, every part of your body is tinted with that blue confidence. Feel what that feels like to be filled up completely in the most wonderful way. And know that if you want that feeling to get stronger, all you need to do is just turn a knob. You can imagine a knob and turn that strength of that feeling up to whatever level you want. Turn it up to the level that is just right for you. And once again, allow that feeling to build and rise and grow inside you until it reaches a peak and then anchor it one more time in the way that you've just been doing and give me a nod. Fantastic. Now I'd like you to just think about your shoes that you're wearing right now for a second. And then I'd like you to touch your anchor point again and let me know how quickly did that feeling of confidence come flooding back when you touched your anchor point? Quickly. Wonderful. That feeling was in you. That feeling was already a part of you. All we've done is we've created like a super highway in terms of a neural pathway so that you can get to it whenever you want easily and quickly whenever you want. That feeling will be there for you whenever you want it. All you need to do is touch your anchor point. And the more often you do it with the power of neuroplasticity, the stronger and the easier it will get. So I'd like you to just scroll forward into time till the end of the week and just imagine what this week will have been like now that you are powered and fueled by this incredible feeling of blue confidence part of you whenever you want it and keep going further forward into the future scroll forward a month this feeling is just natural to you now it's there for you whenever you want it you know that you trust that because it is a part of you it's who you are this is your feeling and you know it will be here for you whenever you want it. All you have to do is just touch that anchor point. And you notice how the world looks different now that you have this amazing confidence there whenever you want it. You notice how your behaviours and your skills and your capabilities are different now that you have this incredible confidence, this blue confidence there inside you whenever you want it. You notice how your beliefs have changed and you've let go of some unhelpful limiting beliefs that no longer serve you. And instead, you've replaced them with these incredible, empowering beliefs, motivating you, supporting you, driving you forward. And you notice how you feel your place in the world has changed as a result of this incredible confidence, this blue confidence that's inside you and always will be whenever you want it. Bring that knowledge, that understanding, that incredible belief back into the you sitting here now. Pour it into yourself. Fill yourself up with that incredible blue confidence and the knowledge of what life is like now that is part of who you are so easily. And then when you're ready, hand that knowledge, that understanding over to your unconscious mind for it to continue to deepen and grow for you over the next hours and days, weeks and months. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back to the room. Powerful. You feel it, don't you? 
Yes, it's very powerful. And the incredible thing is, I don't do anything. You know, this is your feeling. It's entirely your version. And everybody's feeling is unique. The moment that takes them to that feeling, color, how they experience it in their body. So this, all I'm doing is I'm allowing you a pathway. I'm providing you with a pathway towards it to remind you of what's inside you. And that really is the principle of, of what I do is, but what I can do is help you understand the power that you have already in you and teach you the tools and techniques so that you can really harness that and help you overcome the kind of habits because they're just habits and stories that we tell ourselves so that you can overcome those and leave those behind and instead get into the, the good stuff that we all have inside us. So what would be the expected results of something like this? We are now going to take what you've given us and work on it ourselves and use our anchor point. What could we expect if we continue to form the habit, as you said, like for even a glass of water and drinking it regularly was a challenge. So now we're going to be doing this. Should we be touching the anchor point a lot? I heard a should in there, Faye. Whoops. <laughs> oh, there you go, you see? You can see? we choose to touch our we, anchor point we, a lot? <laughs> we can always choose. The, the more, it's like anything with the brain. The more you do it, the, the stronger it will get. So, I mean, I would recommend anybody. I have audio recordings of some of these things available on my website. I would I'd recommend anybody to do it as much as you feel comfortable. You know, keep touching. I have one on here, which is my calm anchor, which has been there now for Oh, 11 years and it's still there. I, I touch it now and I feel, I feel the feeling. So I would just really recommend you use it as much as you can. In terms of the results, it can be from as simple as having the confidence to go for an interview that you hadn't gone for before. It could be having the confidence to put yourself across in an interview in a way that you weren't able to before. These are all, you know, things that my clients have experienced. It could be understanding one of my amazing clients had this fantastic journey of kind of rediscovering her ambition following having children. She had twins and for a while she was she was still working, but her heart wasn't in it really. And I helped her rediscover that kind of drive that she used to have inside her. And she's now taken on her first managing director role. She's rediscovered that power that she has inside her, which she lost sight of for a while. What you do with this confidence depends on your goal. Do you want a promotion? Do you want to feel comfortable with the promotion you've just had? I work with quite a lot of people who've just had a promotion and are feeling kind of, oh, can I do this? And so what I can help them do is, is really embrace their own capabilities, understand why that they've got to this level that they've got to and help them really kind of thrive. So what you do with it is totally up to you. But the thing to think about is, Imagine what life is like. It, one of the ways I describe it is, you know, when you go to the supermarket and you have a, a wonky trolley, like a wheel, that doesn't go in the right direction and you're trying to push the trolley forward and you keep, and it's such hard work. I believe it's like that. When you're trying to fulfill your potential, succeed in the workplace, or even just live a contented life as a human being, if you are constantly trying to push against the wonky wheel, how hard is that? And instead of the wonky wheel, if you have a kind of, I don't know, a carbon fiber trolley with amazingly greased axles, something that's going to be incredibly powerful and supportive, how much easier would life be? We don't want to be trying to operate hampered and held back by stuff that goes on in our head. It's not necessary. There are choices that we can make that can help free us of that. So Kirsten, you were just mentioning that you have some resources on your website. Can you tell everybody how they can get in contact with you and how to connect? Yeah. Sure. So my website is kirstengoodwin.co.uk. 
And there's all sorts of information on there. I have a resources section with some free downloads, including some audio recordings of exercises like the one we've just done and some meditations. So that would be a good place to start. I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. So do please come to find me on LinkedIn. It's Kirsten Goodwin Coaching. For Legal Global, empowering and transforming us through skills and shared wisdom. For other great episodes, follow us and be sure to check out herlegalglobal.com for a community, informative skills-based articles, and to work with me, your host, Faye Gelb.